you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Let's bow in prayer for this morning as we go to God and obey Him and in praying without ceasing, I'm going to use uh, David's words, prayer of sorts from Psalm 46 as sort of a outline. And it begins like this. O oh God, you are a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Lord, there's so many troubles today in the world, in our city, um, even in the church, in our personal lives. And the temptation for us is, is to fear. That temptation is great. We're human. It's like our first go-to, anxiety, panic, fear. But we have a refuge. We have a refuge, and you have promised to give us your strength and your help. Always your strength, Almighty God, His strength, your strength. You promise that you will give us that, and enough of that to see us through. Lord, in this moment, we count this as true and sure, but when we are tempted by unbelief, Lord, give us your grace to believe more, to believe deeper. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. You, O God, are within her. She will not fall. You will help her at break of day. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, I think I see those words and I know that we are that city. The church, your church, of which you are the head. And we are marked by your presence, by your always abiding with us. Holy Spirit, forgive us for living largely unaware of this, of ignoring your presence, of not even maybe knowing what that means. And give us a greater desire to know it, to know of it, and to walk in the Spirit. Lord, we lift up your church today in all of its forms, in all of its places. We know it is growing, and it has been growing from the beginning. We pray for more growth. We pray that you would embolden uh, its leaders, the church, to take the gospel, to share the gospel, to not back away from it. We pray for your kingdom to come. Lord, we know that you are at work, that um, behind everything that we see is there you are. And that's the main thing. Lord, it says you will help your church at the break of day. We long for the break of day. Come, let us see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. 
You make wars cease to the ends of the earth. You break the bow and shatter the spear and burn the shields with fire. Lord, you are sovereign not only over the church, but over, over all. Over every nation, every government and king, over all. You are sovereign. You are in control of everything. Even when it seems like you're not. Even when it seems like things are out of control. Lord, you are there. You are writing the story. We pray for justice and peace. We pray for for truth to be seen. We pray for the kings and princes of the world just to do something good and right. Lord God, we hear your comforting words, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Help us to know when to stop talking and just watch. Watch you. Help us to know all that means that you are God. And help us to lay hold of the rest that can be found in that and in you. May our simple acts of belief and trust give you glory. May they exalt you among the nations. As we wait for that time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You, Almighty God, are ever with us. You are our fortress. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Pastor Greg, uh, wow, Peter, you're a lot taller than I am. (laughs) It's okay. Most people are. Pastor Greg asked me to introduce Pastor Hubert. And uh, as I began to think about that, it was turning into a a, a roast. (laughs) So I I had to back off just a little bit. But uh, it might be just a little bit. And um, you might start thinking about what to cut out of your message because I got, I got a list here. Sorry. But, you know, in the early days at Brookville Road Community Church, it was just me and Hubert, Hubert and me. We were kind of like Marshall Dillon and Chester. <laughs> Batman and Robin. Or maybe Frodo and Samwise Ganges. Those, those were amazing days. You know, I saw Pastor Tom not long ago. I think you did too when he was visiting here last summer. And, and he just sent, we kind of reminisced a little bit, and he said, those were good days. They were great days. It wasn't just me and Hubert. We were the ones who were getting paid for what we did. You know, we had a lot of crazy, great people um, in the church. It was, it was a great time. Hubert back then was a little like Samson in that people wondered about the source of his strength. You know, the, the, the Sunday school pictures of Samson aren't right. I figure he was a weenie because people wonder, what, how, how can he be so strong? Not that you were a weenie. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but there was kind of that thing, you know, like, why is this working? And I remember once hearing Pastor Charles kind of ponder that out loud. And I heard him explain it this way, and I don't know if you ever knew this, but he said, he has the anointing. (laughs) 
He has the anointing. The anointing of the Spirit, that is, and that surely is it. Related to that, I remember that Hubert used to like to say, and maybe he still does, when men work, men work. But when men pray, God works. And I I love that, and I think that's what was happening there. You know, a big thing for me is this, that over the years and decades, Hubert has invested in so many people He has given and given and given, and I think that I may have been one of the first, maybe the first, that he invested in. I felt that then. I still feel it today. Greg was another one, Pastor Greg. Many times I've said that uh, Brookville Road Community Church cut off its right arm and gave it to me. And the truth is, Hubert was the one with the scalpel. He took the arm and gave it to me. He, was, he was, has been a good friend and the best boss I ever have, and I just want to thank you so much for that. It means a lot. I want to give you three vignettes that my, my experience with you, Hubert, and surely this is not all of it, but these are things that I will never forget and that they stand out. First of all, um, as Linda and I were relatively new at, at uh, Brookville Road. Actually, it was Community Christian Fellowship then. Um, I was working for Youth for Christ, and a part of that was raising my support. You know, you had to raise what you got paid. And uh, at that point in time, we were nine weeks, I think, nine or ten weeks behind in pay, which was a lot for us. We didn't have a bank account. Um, and it, w- it just happened to be, it was in July, it was my father's birthday, we didn't have much money, but Linda and I just decided we're just going to spend it out on my dad. We're going to have dinner and cake and the whole thing. And so we were doing that, wondering, you know, where we were going to get any money to pay for it. And uh, while we were eating, there came a, a knock at the back door, and it was one of the elders from the church, and he handed me a $1,000 check, which back then that was a lot of money. <laughs> that was a lot of money for me. It was also a lot of money for Brookville Road. And, uh, you know, that Hubert didn't deliver the check, but he delivered the check. He was caring for the flock. It was so good, so amazing. I didn't even know that they knew that we were behind in pay. That was good. About three years later, uh, I was not working for YFC anymore. I had begun to work at Brookville Road as youth pastor at first and then assistant. And... On a Saturday, I was seated at my father's funeral. He had died of cancer, and he was the first of our parents to to pass on. And it just happened that the funeral was on the Saturday of the elders' retreat. I was supposed to be at, at that elders' retreat, but, of course, the funeral took priority for me. But I'll never forget that just before the service began, everybody was seated, but it hadn't you know, it just hadn't started yet. It was about to. And as as that moment was there, I looked back, and here comes Hubert and the elders walking in and finding a seat. And again, that was Hubert caring for the flock and counting what was important to me as important to him. 
you know, and I learned so much that day and and uh, many days in following him around and and tending to the hurts and needs of people. The third one is this. It was it, I remember it was this time of year. It was the fall, and it was a beautiful, warm day. And I remember Hubert coming to me and commenting that it might be the last warm day of the year. <laughs> so he had an idea. He had an idea that we should go to the park to walk and pray, to pray and walk. And so we did that. We did it for a good long while because when men pray, God works. And so he has again and again in this guy's life. So with that, I'll introduce Hubert Nolan. Can we put this down a little bit just in case? Thanks, Randy. Wow. I don't even know what to say to that. That's humbling. I'm here for your celebration and um, to be part of what your guys are doing. I don't think I need it. That's fine. Yeah, thank you. Um, honestly, I was the one that got blessed working with Randy and Greg. and I mean, some of my favorite people in all the world is right here in this room with Pastor McWan and these men and, and so many of you that we've known clear back to BRCC days. And so, and let me just say thank you um, for having us today. Um, you know, this last week has been one of the most difficult weeks of our entire lives. Uh, I heard an old preacher say one time, when you're going through hell, just keep going. And so we're just keep going. <laughs> and uh, so it's part of the territory right now, you know. Uh, so with the article that came out against the Hope Center and, and the accusations and all that, and then one of the dear ladies who have served with us at the Hope Center from the very beginning given, really has given her life for the Hope Center had a heart attack and died this week at the age of about 43 or 4. And so we are just been devastated um, by that loss and then the things we're going through. And yet when I was thinking about your celebration and, and what's going on today, I was thinking about ministry, Greg. And ministry, man, I'd love to live on the mountaintop, wouldn't you, where you can get that bird's eye view and just look out and see the beauty of God's creation. But not much grows up there. And... Uh, the growth all takes place in the valley, and, and so you got to come down off that mountaintop, and you got to live it out in the everyday. And so as I was thinking about what I could share with you today, there was a couple different messages I was going to share, and then I thought, no, I mean, I just need to live God's Word today. Could, would you guys allow me to just live God's Word with you today, and maybe we could kind of talk a little bit about what it means to walk through some difficult moments of our lives. And, and so I would like to talk a little bit about James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 where James talks about how we can handle different trials and testings that kind of come our way. And so uh, I'm going to ask if you would to please stand for the reading of God's Word, get the blood pumping and moving. And if you're like me, um, if you got tired blood, most of the time mine's tired, so we need to get it up and get it moving. So James says this in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word today, and 
man, every day we read the promises of God and we know the truth of God and we need to depend upon it, apply it to our own life and live it out because that's who you are and that's what you're doing. And so we just want to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and just anoint your word today and just encourage our hearts, each one of us, no matter where we might be or what we're walking in or through. Uh, may you be our guiding step and light onto our path. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me just start off and ask a couple questions. Hey, have you ever felt like when you've gone through difficult times, instead of God's hand being for you, His hand has actually been against you? Have you ever gone through difficult moments when you have to remind yourself about Romans chapter 8, verse 28? Where it says that God works all things out for the good of those who love him. You ever need to be kind of reminded of God's word? Or even when the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17, These light and momentary afflictions, he says. And if you read Paul's list, it was enough to kill ten men. And he said, these light and momentary afflictions, they're just, just a little glimpse of the glory of what God has in store. The eternal weighty glory of God that, that he has for each one of us. Well, James says that when we're going through those times, that sometimes it doesn't feel like God is there. Matter of fact, it feels like God has gone someplace else instead of being right with us. But we know that God is always with us. That's what he's told us. And so James says to us in verse 2 then, Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you go through different kinds of trials. Now, when I think about that word consider, it's also, I think the King James uses, count it. Count it pure joy. And so he uses really kind of a financial term. He uses an accounting term. He uses a math term. And so James is trying to say, when you go through trials or tribulations, when you're going through those things, it's kind of funny math. It's kind of like one, two, three, count it all joy. And not only does he say count it all joy, he says count it pure joy. Now, I'm not sure if any of us know what something completely pure would be like. I mean, 100% pure. I mean, that would be pretty difficult to understand. But he says here, I don't want you to consider it a little joy. Don't consider it mostly joy. He says, I want you to consider it 100% joy when you are going through these difficult things in your life. I don't know how you do in that moment. But honestly, when it comes to going through difficult times in our life, it's, it may be a little hard to muster up joy. Um, maybe sometimes, I, I know what God's Word says. God's Word says, hey, count it all joy, 100% joy, when you're going through a very difficult time in your life. And so I might be able to say, I know what God's Word says, so therefore I can muster up 10% joy, or 30% joy, or 50% joy, or maybe if I'm really spiritual on that day, maybe I'm at 90% joy. But to get to 100% joy, that would be a difficult thing for me. And so James says, man, I just want you to count it all joy. Well, in my life, there has been what I would call bad days. I'm not talking about bad hair days. We all have some bad hair days. But I'm talking about having some bad days in our life. I remember uh, after I gave my life to Christ, I had three wrecks in one day. Anybody have three wrecks in one day? I'm telling you, that was a bad day. That wasn't just mostly bad, that was completely bad. I remember at the end of the day, I was afraid of my own shadow. But after I had three wrecks in one day, guess what? 
It took a lot to shake me. I mean, it really did. It was like, man, you've gone through three wrecks in one day. You ought to be able to handle most things in life. And I thought, you know what? God used that. I remember when I was working for a marathon oil company, I would deliver fuel oil to farmers, and I would deliver diesel and gasoline to farmers and fuel oil to homeowners. And so uh, on this one day, I was delivering some fuel fuel. Uh, oil to a grocery store. So this was like 45 years ago, and that's when, you know, before natural gas was a big thing, and everybody at that point kind of had uh, fuel oil furnaces. And so I was putting in this uh, fuel oil in this tank, and uh, there was a guy standing there talking to me. He said, hey, you have a automatic shut off on that nozzle and i said yeah he said does it ever not work i said no it works every time that should have been my first clue and so uh i go and get my truck and i'm filling this tank and when i'm filling a tank i usually make out basically the ticket as far as who's purchasing and then once you're done filling the tank then you can come back in and put in the gallons and so the next thing i knew while i'm sitting in my truck this guy who asked me does that thing Always work. He's out there going, hey, hey. And so I slam and push off the truck and turn everything off. And when I get out, man, this thing did not shut off. And it was like an oil gusher, gushing fuel oil absolutely everywhere. Now, the bad thing wasn't that fuel oil went everywhere. It was that there was an exhaust fan right there by the fuel tank. And it wasn't blowing out. It was sucking into the grocery store. And so about that time, the owner of the grocery store comes outside and he uses a few choice words, kind of like a sailor would use. And he wanted to know what was going on. And I began to say, I am so sorry. My, my shutoff did not work. And so, of course, the rest of that day, I got to clean up a grocery store because it blew it into the store, into their storage area where they had boxes and food and storage and dry goods. And I had to clean all of that stuff out. And James says, man, when you go through difficult things, can you count it joy? In those early stages of my Christian life, I was really struggling to say, God, I have no idea what in the world you're thinking about doing this here in this moment because there is no joy in three wrecks in one day and all of a sudden having these kind of moments. But James says, you're going to be tested in all kinds of ways. Now, did you know that when it comes to trials, we sometimes can create our own trial? I mean, I know in my life, I've made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions when it came to financial investments. I've made bad decisions when it came to occupations, whatever it might be. I've made bad decisions, and my bad decisions caused me to have financial stress. It caused me to go through some really difficult times of testing. And then sometimes, and my brother would always say this, and maybe you've heard this. He said, man, you just can't fix stupid. And sometimes I was just stupid, right? And I got myself into some of those kind of moments that you just kind of began to experience. Because, man, you thought you were making the right decision, but it wasn't. And it turned out to be a really bad decision. And so you kind of got yourself in that. And sometimes trials come your way because someone else gets you into that situation. Did you know that there are some people in life 
that just all of a sudden they're like tornadoes. I mean, when they come into the household, they just cause chaos everywhere and they are causing you incredible heartache. And you just all of a sudden, because you know them, maybe you're, li- you're living with one right now. I'm not sure. Maybe it's your spouse. It could be those kind of people. But people cause us a great challenge. And they can bring testing and trials into our life. And then sometimes, of course, we know that Satan, he loves to do all kinds of things to disrupt our lives. And, and we know this. Satan tempts us to bring out our worst. God tests us to bring on our best. But Satan doesn't want your best. He wants to destroy you. And that's why the Bible says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And Satan could do, he desires to do anything when it comes to disrupting your life and causing your life to be miserable. He wants to steal away all the joy you have. And so we know that sometimes trials are caused by our own Bad decisions, sometimes trials are caused by other people, sometimes trials are caused by by the devil, and sometimes trials come to us by God. In other words, he just says, you know, man, if you're going to be mature and complete in this walk of yours, and if your faith is going to be more precious than gold, then you've got to go through some things. And I'm going to kind of orchestrate that for you because I'm really about you being transformed and becoming like my son Jesus. And so when we begin to think about this whole idea, count it all joy because you're going to go through these different kinds of trials. He says, I want you to understand that and I want you to learn from it. So he says here, um, you know, you're going to go through this time of testing because it will... Uh, your faith develops perseverance in this time of testing. Now, how many of you enjoyed taking a test in school? Now, I enjoyed testing if I was prepared. In other words, if I had plenty of time to, to read and study and know the material and I knew I was going to do really well on the test, I didn't mind tests whatsoever. But if I didn't have time to study and if I wasn't prepared, if I didn't know the information and I knew I wasn't going to do well on the test, I did not look forward to testing. I didn't. But James says, just get ready because when it comes to test, God likes to test your faith. And if there's anything about God, it says that without faith, it's impossible for you and I to please God. And man, over the last 45 years of walking with Christ, I want you to know something about testing our faith. He will test it and test it and test it because he wants to know who you're going to depend upon. Whether you depend upon yourself, your own gifts, your abilities, your intellect, your learning, your resources. Or he will test you to see if you will depend upon him. The testing of our faith. Now, we know that God is at work, and God is at work threefold when it comes to our lives. There are things that God does for you. We call it the plan of salvation, and it's something that God did, and we can't mess it up. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful because if it was left up to us to do were something out for our salvation, we would surely have messed that up too. But God says he's got a work and he does it. It's called the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation, of course, is this. That Jesus was born of a virgin. Came to earth, lived a sinless life. Then he died on Calvary's cross. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead to prove that he is who he says that he is. And the plan of salvation is that there was this 
perfect atonement, a perfect sacrifice where Jesus shed his blood for our forgiveness. And so God's plan, God's work for you is the plan of salvation. And it's for every single person on earth. So God does something for you. And then God wants to do something in you. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, once God starts this new birth experience in you, once he puts his Holy Spirit in you, he wants to continue to work in you to begin to create in you this wonderful life of Christ. Now, how many of you have actually prayed, I want to be like Jesus? I think probably most of us. Um, I would say that the prayer of wanting to be like Jesus, I have prayed it thousands of times. Thousands of times. I want to be like Christ. I want to live like Christ. I want to do the things like Christ. I want to honor Him. I want to be Christ-like. I want to bring glory to the Father being like the Son. Now, we've all prayed that, and I've prayed that thousands of times. Now, I like the idea of being like Jesus. I don't always like the process of becoming mature and complete in him. Because sometimes when he takes you through the process, that's a difficult thing. And so we begin to go through the process. I remember when I first came to plant the church at Brookville Road, Community Christian Fellowship. I think that first Sunday was like 50 people there. And boy, uh, I was so excited. We, we came with all these great ideas and thoughts of what ministry was going to be like. And in the first three months of the church, we went from 50 to 120. And I thought to myself, man, this is a piece of cake. This is so easy. This is wonderful. And then with my great leadership ability, my great preaching ability, over the next three years, I was able to take that church from 120 all the way back to 54. I just remembered when I was at 54, three years into that ministry, I thought, God, would you please forgive me for ever thinking that I was called to preach? Would you please forgive me for ever thinking that you called me to be a church planter? And I just remember repenting and asking God for forgiveness. And I was so sorry that somehow I thought that I could actually do this church plant. Matter of fact, I remember thinking back then, if you would have looked up the word failure in the dictionary, it would have had my picture by it. Hubert Nolan, that's who that is. And I just felt that. And matter of fact, I was so desperate during those times, I often said this, man, I wish they would have fired me, but everybody that didn't like me left, and everybody that liked me stayed, and so they wouldn't fire me. They just left me in my misery trying to figure out what to do with this church. But I remember that. It was some of the darkest days of my life. And if James would have been there, he would say, hey, Pastor Hubert, just go ahead, count it all joy. And I would have said, it sure doesn't feel like joy to me right now. Matter of fact, it's pretty devastating, pretty heart-wrenching, pretty disappointing. But you're telling me somehow to count it all joy. I remember going into my daughter's bedroom. She was eight years old at the time. And maybe I've shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. And I said to her, hey, Sarah, let's, you and I, let's pray and ask God to bring one new family to our church. Each month, I was thinking, we're 50, and if I could 
get a new family once a month, and an average family's four, that's that's 48 people in a year. That would be 100% church growth, and that would be pretty impressive. And so she said, hey, Dad, you can pray for one a month if you want to. I'm going to pray for one a week. And I said, honey, go right ahead. All the faith I got right now is for one a month. You can pray for one a week if you want to. And so she began to pray. So that next Sunday we had our first new family, and it was like one for Sarah, zero for Dad. And the, the next Sunday we had another new family, and two for Sarah, zero for Dad. And for the next 12 weeks we had another new family. And the miracle of all that was they all stayed to help us plant that church. I just remember there was those dark moments that was so dark and discouraging that I just wanted to throw in the towel and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm not sure why you called me. I'm not sure why I thought I could do this. I wanted to throw it in the towel and say, I'm done. It's finished. And yet God said, oh, no, it's just beginning. And not only is it just beginning, but now I'm going to begin to work. I just remember that we during that time of the church we had a gentleman by the name of Dr. Waylon Moore. You remember him, Pastor Andy? And he came to do a discipleship conference for us. He was really into scripture memory. And, and uh, so one night he said this, 1 Peter 5, 7, attach the problem to the promise. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And so I just remember that. And I was just dumb enough to do it. All right, so I went home that night and I said to the Lord, Lord, I cast your church upon you because you care for your church. Attach the problem, whatever it might be, to the promise. And so I remember I was walking back and forth in the living room that night, tears streaming down my face. I, I was saying, Lord, I've made such a mess of this thing. I'm not sure what you can do with it. But as I was walking back and forth, all of a sudden, it was like this incredible burden just lifted off my shoulders. It was like the Holy Spirit said, we were just waiting. We were just waiting for you to give up so we could step in. We are waiting for you to stop trying to plant the church and trust us to build the church. You see, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And it was from that moment on that God began to build that church. We were about eight or ten years in. And uh, one of the gentlemen who was one of our founding elders and men, he was an incredible supporter of my life and our family, and he was really one of my best friends. And so one day he said to me, hey, we're leaving the church. And um, when he told me that they were leaving the church, I tell you, that was probably one of the darkest days of my life. And um, part of it was not only was he one of the founding elders of our church, uh, but he was also well-respected in our congregation and led an incredible life uh, of Christ-likeness among our congregation and uh, such a supporter. But he was a dear friend. I mean, I mean, I spent a lot of time with him and dreaming and praying and just thinking about the church and where the church was going. And So after him and his family actually left our church, I remember I w- went into my office and I was studying in the office. I leaned back on my chair and I propped my feet up on the desk. Now, not supposed to do that if you're actually at church, but I was a farmer anyway, so I just propped my feet up on the desk. And... Um, I began to have this running conversation with the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm sitting there, tears streaming down my face. And the Holy Spirit says to me, how do you feel? 
I said, well, I feel abandoned. Um, I feel rejected. I feel really alone. And then I just heard the Holy Spirit say, yeah, I know. That's exactly the way Jesus felt. I want to be like Jesus, believe me, but I don't like the process. I want to be like him in every area of my life, but when you go through things that he experienced, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no thank you. Don't want to go there. Don't want to experience that. I don't want to walk where Jesus walked and experience the things that Jesus experienced because if I do, man, it may take me over the ledge. James says, count it all joy when you're going through those kind of moments. God's worked for you. He's got this wonderful plan of salvation. Then he wants to work in you. Philippians 2.13, God is at work to will and to work for his good pleasure. And then the last thing, he he wants to work through you. Maybe that's the greatest thing. You know, Pastor Rick Wan, when we pray, he always says, We're not alone. We're not at all worthy. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We're not worthy. And I'm not really sure why God would actually choose a hog farmer to actually preach and to plant a church or to be part of a hope center. I'm not really sure why he would do that. But man, am I grateful. I'm just so grateful that he called. And not only did he call, but he gave me the grace to say yes and to answer that call and say, Yeah, I'll do that. I'll step out and and begin to do that. You know, through the years, man, we have seen some wonderful, amazing victories. You're talking about God moments and answers to prayer. And when I think about all these God moments and all the answers to prayer, it causes my faith to soar. Man, I can wake up in the morning and I've got a new bounce in my step. I've got joy in my heart and I'm over. I'm ready to run through that wall. You know, my my son used to say, Dad, don't pray for an open door. Pray that God will put a door where there is no door. And uh, there's just days that I can pray like that. Just pray where God will put a door where there's no door. Don't pray for just an open door. It's already there. Let's believe that God will put one where you don't think he's got one. And um, so through the years, man, the answers to prayer, the miracles and the wonders that we have seen, it's caused our faith to build and to soar. So when we first started the Hope Center, uh, we've got, I'm kind of writing a book. It probably makes sense to write a book, give God the glory, and then you get attacked like we have. And then, um, so one of the chapters is going to be called 10,000 Reasons. I mean, I think most of you heard the song, right? 10,000 Reasons to Praise the Lord. And so... Um, I don't know, about three years ago, uh, I noticed that we got a check for $10,000 and so for the Hope Center. And so that was a praise note. And I think most of you would say, that's a praise note, <laughs> get a $10,000 check. And uh, so uh, then a while later, we got another check for $10,000. And so I kind of started noticing there was a little bit of this reoccurring theme of 10,000s happening at the center. And uh, so I started to research. I love numbers. I, I love to look at, 
numerical stuff in the Bible and all that. And so I began to look at 10,000. And so 10,000 is like God's perfect number in the Bible. 10,000 times 10,000. And so it's a divine number. It's completeness. It's God's divine provision. And so I thought, that's kind of neat. And we're starting to get these $10,000 checks. And so um, I remember I walked in one Tuesday morning, and the treasurer said to me, uh, she said, hey, pastor, I, was, I met her in the hallway. She said, hey, um, there's not enough money in the account to make payroll. I mean, the Hope Center is nothing but a, a faith movement, right? I mean, we don't receive offerings. We, we just receive gifts from God. That's the way we do the Hope Center. And uh, so she said, hey, there's not enough money in the bank to pay, make payroll tomorrow, and it needs to be in the bank today so it can actually come out tomorrow. And so um, I was on my way to an appointment in Shelbyville, and so on the way to the appointment, I said this, Hey, Lord, your payroll's due tomorrow. What are you going to do about that? It's not my ministry. It's your ministry. So what are you going to do about your payroll tomorrow? And so all the way down to Shelbyville, I go there, go to my appointment, and then on the way home, I began to play God. You ever do that? I'm not proud of it, but leaders do that a lot. You know that, Greg, Randy? We know that, right? And so what I did was this. I began to think about what Tanya and I could give to make up the shortfall. I was thinking, how can we sacrifice to make payroll? And then I was thinking about who can I call that might be able to give me a gift to help us make payroll. And so I finally get back to the center and I meet Sarah in the in the hallway and and so she said to me uh she's one of our executive team members she said um hey pastor this gentleman he had called and wanted to know if uh I would open his envelope to make sure that he put his check in the envelope and so I opened it and his check was in there I just wanted you to know why I opened it and I did let him know that he had actually put his check in the envelope and so I said, okay. So I go in and I sit down and I open up the envelope. And inside the envelope was a check for $10,000. And so the Lord was probably saying to me on the way to Shelbyville, have you checked your mail today because it's already there? And um, so I just remember rejoicing that day of God's provision. And then on Friday I came back into the office, went to my mailbox. And when I went to the mailbox then, I I got a, a envelope, and it was from the same gentleman who just sent us a check for $10,000. And so um, I went in, and I sat down in my office and opened up that envelope, and inside that envelope was a check for $10,000. And so I thought, oh, my, he's confused. I mean, he couldn't remember whether he actually put his check in the envelope the first time. So I said to my son, David, I said, Dave, you better email him and make sure that was his intent. Because if it wasn't, we'll send it back to him or we will hold it and we'll, uh, he can come and get it, whatever he would like for us to do. And so Dave, he emailed him. And in three, about two or three hours, this gentleman emails Dave back. And he just says this, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so I began to see these $10,000 offerings coming through. And I just remember uh, going to World Renewal, and we were having our board meeting. And uh, so one thing about Gary Wright and World Renewal, they're givers, and they're all the time raising money for projects and missionaries and everything that they're doing. And so often their general fund is short, even though they're out there raising money for everybody else's ministry. And so uh, 
when we got to the end of the day, we had heard all these missionaries give their reports that around the world. And, and at the end of the day, um, uh, Gary said, well, here's our financials. We're $20,000 short so far. And, and so we need some gifts coming in to help us with our shortfall. And so uh, I just thought, man, $20,000, that's no money. I mean, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Sometimes we have to say, hey, God, sell some cattle, send us a check, you know. Sell some cattle. And um, so I said, I tell you what I'd like to do. And I told them the story a little bit about the 10,000. And I said, let's just bring Gary up here. We'll put him in this chair right here. We're going to pray God's blessing on him. And so we brought him up, set him in on a chair, and, and we prayed over him. And I said, God, I just want you to give Gary and World Renewal the same blessing you've given to the Hope Center. I'm just going to pray these $10,000 gifts back on him and that you will use this in great ways. And so we prayed for him. That was on a Thursday. Saturday, I get a text from him, and he said, Hey, I just received a check for $10,000. And so I was so excited. I thought, God, thank you. You are so good. You are so gracious to us. And so a week went by. I come back into my office on a Saturday, and he texts me again. And he said, Hey, I just got another check for $10,000. And um, I was so excited. I had to call him. And so I called him up, and I said, I think I'm more excited than you are. I'm so excited that God heard that prayer and he is blessing you now in this in this wonderful way. And he said, oh, I forgot to tell you, one of the missionaries that was in the room that day, that when we prayed that prayer, he just got a check for $10,000. And so we started seeing all these $10,000 miracles coming our direction. So I was um, in the prayer center and uh, this ministry said, hey, would you pray for us that we could receive a t- Check for ten thousand dollars. I said, "Sure, it works for ministries. It doesn't work for individuals." I had people ask me, "Will you pray for me to receive ten thousand dollars?" I'm just saying, it doesn't work for individuals, but it does for ministries. That's what we've kind of found out. And so I prayed for them that they would receive a check for ten thousand dollars. I was going to a, a to meet this this couple at Starbucks, and uh, so I went to Starbucks to meet them. And in the prayer that I prayed, I said, Lord, I just want these $10,000 gifts to just keep coming. Just let them keep coming to the Hope Center. It shows your favor. It shows your blessing. And so I go to Starbucks. I sit down and I share with this couple for like 30 minutes about the things that God's doing at the Hope Center. He reaches into his billfold, takes out a check, and he gives it to me. And it's for $10,000, exactly. And I said to him, do you guys know... What God's doing with 10,000 at the Hope Center? And they said, no, what? And so I began to tell this incredible story. And I just remember these people, their eyes filled up with tears because they said, man, we're just so grateful that we heard God, that God spoke to us about the amount we were supposed to give you guys at the Hope Center. And so over the last couple years, we have received 63 $10,000 gifts at the Hope Center. Now, not all of them have actually come to us, but some of them actually were blessed through other ministries that we prayed that they would also receive that blessing. And so when I think about God's favor and count it all joy, and there's been those incredible moments where we are overflowing with joy and our faith is soaring and we are trusting and we are walking with God in ways we have never walked before. I would tell my son, David, David, it doesn't work like this, man. I've been in ministry almost 45 years. I'm just telling you, this kind of favor that God has put on the Hope Center, this is not normal. It just isn't. 
But we just kept living those incredible moments of God's favor and blessing. Well, when I think about the Bible, we realize that the men of God that he called, they also went through some incredible challenging times. When I think about Joseph, God said, hey, I'm going to make you into a great leader. And then he gets sold into slavery by his brothers, taken down into Egypt. And then he begins to work his way up through Potiphar's household. And then Potiphar's wife has eyes for him. She lies about him. And uh, so Potiphar then throws him in jail, leaves him in prison to rot. And so about 13 years, about 13 years, Joseph was going through all kinds of hell and disappointment, discouragement. I know he was fighting, God, why in the world? Why am I here? And then all of a sudden, God raises him to really the greatest of command in all of Egypt, even greater than Pharaoh. And um, when we think about Moses, I mean, Moses was raised there in the court of Pharaoh, had all the education, he had everything that he really needed, and then one day decided that he was going to free the Israelites in his own strength and took it in his own hands and killed an Egyptian, hit him in the sand. And when Pharaoh found out, Moses fled for his life and lived on the backside of the desert for 40 years. I just was thinking last night, I wonder if that had something to do with the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. But their leader, he was back there on the backside of the desert, and it took a burning bush in a moment of take off the sandals because you're on holy ground that caused Moses to realize that God had a plan for his life. And then we think about Abraham. God gave him this wonderful promise. You're going to be a father of many nations. And, uh, of course, after the promise, it was 25 years. You and I would have given up. I guarantee it. And Abraham kind of did too. Him and Sarah, they took it into their own hands. And she said, hey, here's my handmaiden, Hagar. Just have a child through her. Because this undoubtedly God's not going to come through for you. And then, of course, God did. And we have Isaac, which means laughter. Because God did this miracle that everybody who heard about it laughed. Because it was so ridiculous that God did that in their old age. And then... Abraham became the father of nations, and through Abraham, came a Messiah. And when he came, we're told that there was nothing about him that caused any of us to be drawn to him. He was despised and rejected, looked down upon and cursed and beaten and flogged. And yet, that was the plan of God. And I remember Jesus saying to the disciples, can you drink from the cup I drink of? And they said, oh yes, we can. And sometimes I like to say, Jesus, I can drink from that cup, but man, when that cup comes your direction and it's filled with suffering, it's pretty hard to drink from that cup. And yet, I've lived long enough now to know that it pays to live for Christ. There's this incredible joy, but there's also this heart-wrenching moments of our life because he wants you to be like him. He wants it to be mature and complete, his work in you. He wants your faith to soar. He wants it to be perfect. And in those moments when it is really tough, 
my wife and I, we went to the Billy Graham Retreat Center a while back, just a few, couple months ago, and the guest speaker was speaking on the Beatitudes, blessed are you, right? And so in that it says, the word blessed, he said, can actually be translated congratulations. And so he says this kind of a stair step of the Beatitudes. In other words, as you kind of go up those Beatitudes, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, when you move up that ladder, it's kind of like you're moving up to greater heights in your life. And then when you get to 12 and 13, it says, Blessed are you when people say all kinds of evil against you and falsely accuse you on account of me. And he says, when you hit that moment of your life, You've gone from the minor leagues to the major leagues. And God is really going to use you now. And so he said, just look over to the person beside you and just say, congratulations. We kind of felt that this week at the Hope Center. We've known this has been going on for five months since the uh, search warrant came in May. We've just been trying to say, hey, congratulations. All hell's against us. We know that. But we also believe that God will redeem it. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we just got to believe Joseph's words. When Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And at this present time, many lives will be saved. That's what Joseph said. In the same way, in this moment, the world and everything, it might, mean it, for, it might mean it for evil, but God means it for good. And we've got to trust in him in that. I don't know where you might be today when it comes to your own walk, whether you're going through really wonderful, victorious times. We've all had them, and we rejoice in those. Or whether today you're kind of in the midst of a storm. You know, Jesus said when it comes to trouble and the weather forecast for your life, it's 100% Stormy. Troubles coming your way. You're either in the midst of the storm, you're coming out of the storm, or you're going to be headed right into the storm. Because Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Just get ready for it. But take heart, he says. I've overcome the world. Just trust in me. So when I think about today and wherever you might be, it's First Peter 5, 7. Attach the problem, whatever it might be in your life, to the promise. I cast my care upon you, Lord, because you care for me. And that's the beauty of what Jesus does. You just take the problem and you attach it to the promise. Let's pray together. Just there in the quietness of your heart, I just want to just say, man, just go ahead. First Peter 5, 7, this is God's word. Make application right now in your heart. When I just cast, what is it? I cast my marriage. I cast our finances. I cast my health. I cast my job. I cast my children, my grandchildren. I cast the problem. What is it you're casting on him today? And the longer I live, the more problems people have, I think, when I look around the world and the heartache, the suffering, COVID, you name it, we're casting it upon him.
whatever that problem is, just cast it on him because you've got to believe the second part of this verse because he cares for you. And sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it doesn't seem to be true that Jesus cares for you. But he does. And when you're going through difficulty, just look to the cross because the cross will always let you know how much he loves you. The cross always points you to the very heart of God, his unconditional love for you. So cast your care upon him because he loves you, he cares for you, he's cheering you on, he is rooting you, he is your number one fan. He loves you unconditionally. He sings over you. He rejoices over you. And he wants you to be like him. Lord, thank you for your word today. And um, we thank you for life. And we thank you for testings. And we thank you for struggles. And as James says, count it all joy. And, Lord, we want to be on that process of counting it all joy and pure joy. Just not letting anything kind of sneak in there to dilute it or take away from it. We want to rejoice in you because we know that you seek and inhabit the praise of your people. And we want to be praisers and worshipers. We want to delight in you every day of our life. And so, God, we just pray. That in these moments of disappointment or discouragement, whatever may be coming our way as the body of Christ, your sons and daughters, the children of God. We just pray that you would remind us, just keep counting it joy and keep casting it upon me and I will get you through. God, thank you for Pastor Greg and this church. Thank you for these 12 wonderful years yeah, there have been ups and downs and ins and outs, and it's kind of a roller coaster because that's the way life is. And we know that there has been victories and there's been losses. We know that. And there's going to be more. There's going to be more victories and more losses, and there's going to be disappointments, and there's going to be incredible joy. There's going to be answers to prayer, and there's going to be miracles. There's going to be open doors and closed doors, and yet we're just going to keep our eyes on you. We're going to keep our eyes on you. And so, God, we just pray for your wisdom. We pray for your discernment. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your favor and your anointing upon this church and this congregation, these families. And we just ask that you will do some great things in and through them to further your kingdom. And we just thank you and we praise you and we believe it, that you will do abundantly more than what we've asked or even thought possible. Because that's who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's have our worship team back up. Because we gotta we gotta sing a song. But I can't let this moment go by. You know what today is, right? This is a Saturday? It's an awkward thing for me to bring this up, but it's Pastor Appreciation Day. And all of my pastors are in this room, which has never happened, I don't think. And so I'm going to appreciate them uh, for a moment.
uh, before we sing. So you, to appreciate you properly, you have to, all of you got to come up here. Pastor McQuan, just come up here. Stand with Pastor Hubert. Come on, Randy. Just right here. You don't have to look at everybody. Just, you know, just look at me. Um, you know, it says in, in uh, Hebrews thirteen seven to remember your leaders who spoke the word of God over you. And these guys right here, they have done that for me. And they continue to do it for me. And it goes on and it says, consider the outcome of their way of life. You guys are the outcome of their way of life. I promise you, if it were not God speaking through them to me, we would not be here. Thank you for your faith and your example. It says, finish that verse, finishes, imitate their faith. And that's, that's hard to do. You know, you hear that message, like, I don't want to imitate that faith. <laughs> he told, I heard him tell that 10,000 reasons story. And I was in the hearing of that prayer, that that blessing would be given. And when he did that, I was like, come on, Hubert, what are you doing, man? Right? <laughs> a month later, a guy walked into our church and gave us $20,000. I don't know if we're in the 63, but we ought, that ought to bump it to 65. And then I was when you said the anointing. And so, you know, that go on Hubert Nolan in your Bible, my, it rings in my ears. Your voice rings in my ears. Your, your example, it's amazing. And I know it's the Lord. But thank you for your faithfulness. And brother, you know like when Elijah's in the cave and God whispers to him. That's how, you, that's how God uses you in my life. He whispers encouragement to press on almost every time we get together. And so thank you for being that brother that sticks, you know, sticks close to the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Pastor Maquan, you are a shining example of what it means to walk by faith. And we thank God for you. And, and, and what you're doing and how you live your life. Because we know the ups and downs. We know the roller coasters. But we also know you got journals miracles like George Mueller. And you're a beautiful example. And an inspiration to us. So thank you, man. Stay right here. We're going to sing together right here. We're not moving anywhere. You're just going to sing right here. You're going to show these people how to worship God because you know the song is the Lord, I need you. So, you know, it's going to be an easy one to sing together. But uh, would you guys stand while we pray for these men? Heavenly Father, uh, we, we come before you today and, oh, we're so thankful for, for you and your faithfulness to us and, the, and the, that you know all of our ways. You know all of it. And you call us and, and you show us how to walk and we stumble and fall and yet you pick us back up and we're nobody special, but you are. 
And it's our desire to, to live lives that show that we believe in you and that you are there, that you care. That you're alive and you conquered a grave and you rescued us from death. Put your spirit within us and said, let's go on an adventure. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for these men. I pray your blessing and favor on their lives. I pray you strengthen them. You help them. We pray for Pastor Hubert especially this day. He and Tanya and the family and the Hope Center. It is a fiery trial they are going through right now. But your word says, don't be surprised at that. But rejoice because the Holy Spirit is resting on you. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you for the hope that that stirs in us every day. The, the, the spring in our step that can happen even when life is difficult. That's because of you. So protect and keep and bless them, Lord. Fill them up with all the good things your spirit has for them today and tomorrow and the days that they have left on this earth. Help them press on. Help them persevere. We remember them today, men who spoke the word of God over us, considering the outcome of their lives. Help us, Father, walk in their footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.